This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey, everybody, Mike Griffith here, and welcome to tonight's Angles on the Beat show and a lot to talk about as the Georgia Bulldogs are headed to the Orange Bowl to play an undefeated Florida State team. Obviously not the ideal scenario that Georgia fans were hoping for. The streak ends at 29 games on Saturday against Alabama, 27-24. I know a painful loss for a lot of Georgia fans, certainly painful for the players that invested so much and Kirby Smart, his staff, uh, but what a historic streak it was. Uh, what an amazing streak it was for the Bulldogs. And we'll start out talking a little bit about the Alabama game and the streak, and then we will move forward into the Orange Bowl matchup, which is compelling uh, and will also be historic. And then, of course, we'll uh, also take a look at our hot and cold segment uh, for the final segment today. So I guess my parting shot uh, is that uh, Georgia expired. You know, I, I think Georgia got everything out of those players that they could. It was the 2023 Georgia team. It wasn't the 2021 team. It wasn't the 2022 team. It was a 2023 team that we watched grow before our eyes. It frankly didn't have the margin for error that 2021 or 2022 did. This team didn't have as much talent. Very talented team, but didn't have the veteran talent and I didn't think had the line of scrimmage, particularly on defense. You know, one of the keys to that Alabama-Georgia game was that Alabama won the line of scrimmage. It wasn't dominant. Um, there's battles that go back and forth. It's not like one team is definitely better the whole game. It, it goes back and forth. But by and large, when Alabama needed to, they were able to move the Georgia line easier than the Georgia line was able to move the Alabama defense. And you saw that. Uh, as Georgia was outrushed in that game. When I break it down, there were a lot of key points to this game. I think part of the reason why it should be easier for Georgia fans to accept that loss is it wasn't just one thing. Yeah, it was uh, some failings on offense. It was some failings on defense. Yes, there were some calls that went against Georgia, uh, but there were also some coaching things that Georgia did. So to me, it was kind of one of those complete team losses. Right, kind of reminded me of the 2021 SEC championship game was a complete team loss. Uh, I take it look, I take a look at uh Alabama's mindset versus Georgia mindset. And and this Alabama had an advantage. Alabama came in with nothing to lose, right? They already had one loss. Um, you know, they weren't necessarily knowing that they were going to get in if they won, so had more of a uh gambling mentality. They went for a couple of early fourth downs and converted. Georgia conversely didn't go for fourth downs. Georgia was the team, I don't want to say playing not to lose, but maybe playing a little bit more conservative on offense, knowing what they had in Carson Beck, having confidence in that pass game. I think when Amarius Mims went down, I think that really affected the game plan. I think it changed things up as Georgia had to juggle their offensive line yet again and give Bama credit both times they converted on fourth down, they made it count for seven points. Um, they were able to get seven points out of those fourth down conversions. You go to the early blown coverage, that's a freshman linebacker. That's one of those spots where that injury catches up to you a little bit. Jamon Dumas Johnson, the All-American, he's been out with that form injury now for a few weeks. You got a freshman there. You know, he blows the assignment. 
it's a seven point swing because that's a first and 20. And typical, typically when Georgia has teams in a first and 20, they're not getting a first down, much less a touchdown. So it, Bama was in field goal range, but to me, that's seven points instead of three. That's a four point swing, right? Um, I look at Carson Beck taking a third down sack in Alabama territory. And then on the next play, Jared Wilson, it jumps off sides or illegal motion. Now all of a sudden, Woodring's got a 50-yard field goal instead of a 40-yard field goal. It clanks off the upright, right? That's three points, okay? I, I think about Arian Smith running wide open and Carson Beck hits him deep for a 51-yard gain. But if Carson hits him in stride, it's a touchdown. Instead, Georgia settles for a field goal. There's another four points lost. And then, of course, the botched end around handoff back to Bell. Uh, the Georgia defense holds, but still you give Georgia three points. Excuse me, you give Alabama three points. You know, right there is 14 points of mistakes or execution. Now, all that said, it was still only a three-point game. All that said, Georgia still found a way to score 14 points in the fourth quarter and continued to bring that game close, but they weren't able to stop Jalen Milrow. At the end of the day, you have to give Jalen Milrow credit. This young man did not make any fatal mistakes. This young man made fourth down throws. This young man put it in the end zone. No interceptions, no fumbles. Um, yeah, he took a few sacks, but he didn't throw the ball away. I was impressed. And then in the end, when Georgia pulled within three, with about two, what, 41, 51 left, I'm thinking to myself, uh, after Milton scores the second touchdown, I'm thinking, gosh, is Georgia going to find a way? Is Georgia going to do it yet again? But there goes Milrow, 30-yard run, and you say there's the X factor. Um, this guy is hot. This guy is playing well. Uh, yeah, they needed a 31-yard fourth down pass. We were there to cover it uh, at Auburn. We saw the Milrow miracle. And sometimes when teams make plays like that and have that near-death experience, so to speak, it really changes their perspective and how they approach things. And, and I think that hurt Georgia. As far as the college football playoff committee, uh, it's interesting because the 2023 Georgia team, I think, has a better resume than the 2021 Georgia team did. But so much is determined by what the other teams do around you. And obviously, undefeated Washington had to be in, and undefeated Michigan had to be in. They only left two spots. Alabama just beat you head-to-head. -head. They're going to get in. That's three. Texas, though. Texas, this is, this is, where, um, this is where you kind of wonder what would have been if Georgia played Oklahoma. If Georgia had played Oklahoma and went to Oklahoma and beat the team that beat Texas – does Georgia get in ahead of, tech, ahead of Texas? I think they do. But they didn't play that game. What did happen was Texas beat Alabama by 10 points in Tuscaloosa earlier this year. I was at that game, and Texas played a perfect game. They really did. The throws were very impressive. Uh, Quinn Ewers was great. Uh, Milrow was not good yet. And so because Texas beat Alabama head-to-head, -head, they had to be ahead of them in the pecking order. You cannot ignore head-to-head, -head, in my opinion. And so Texas belonged in ahead of Alabama, and Alabama belonged in ahead of Georgia, and and, and now all of a sudden you're just you're you're just kind of you're nuzzled out, you're out, and it's uh, it's disappointing. Uh, you could make the case that Georgia is better than Texas. You could make the case that Georgia is better than Alabama, and if they played that game eight more times, they'd win. But to me, the head-to-head -head and the direct transitive property in this case made this the right decision for the committee. Um, 
Georgia had a spectacular run. And you know, the cool thing is it's not really over, okay? The championship runs are over. There's not going to be a third straight title. There's not going to be a 30th straight win, but there could be a seventh straight bowl win. There could be uh, an eighth straight top 10 finish for Georgia, right? Um, There's more at stake than just championships and consecutive wins. This would be a record number of wins for the senior class. In other words, the Georgia brand uh, is – online every time they take the field. And I had someone ask me, well, what if it's not the same team? What if it's guys are opting out and this and that? Well, the whole concept that bowls are a continuation of the season, maybe outside the playoff games now, um, but even prior, is is flawed. And I had a coach named Jim Bowman that I covered uh, at Michigan State. And Jim worked at Ohio State for a long time, uh, back when the Buckeyes won their national title. Um, He was kind of Jim Trestle's right-hand man, and then he worked at State for Mark D'Antonio. And and I asked uh, Jim Bowman, I said, hey, I want to know, what what was it about Ohio State playing SEC teams and they couldn't win back then? And he said, well, that's that's not really what it's all about. I didn't know what he meant. And he said, bowl season is its own season. It's not really a continuation of the season, and it's really not next year. There's so many things going on behind the scenes in bowls. Um, It's not like the week-to-week of the regular season. You get into that rhythm. You get into that practice. People are locked in, right? You get to bowl season, and and things change. There's a break in the action. There's coaches that are considering other job opportunities or leaving, as we've seen with with Fran Brown, and we're hearing Brian McClendon uh, may have an opportunity at at Pitt at the time of this taping. Um, But coaches are considering other jobs. Players now are considering the portal. Players are hearing from different people about pre, pre, pre-portaling, as Lane Kiffin said. People calling him up saying, hey, if you go in the portal, you can come here. NIL deals being cut. How much money could you offer me? How much money could you offer me? Um, or going pro. Do you go pro? Do you not go pro? What's what's Smile Munden thinking? Is Smile Munden going to go pro for Georgia? And then agents. Um, are you playing in the game? Are you not playing in the game? Do you want to come train? Uh, do you want to play one more game? Uh, like Kendall Milton said, you know, want to go play one more game with your brothers? There's a lot of things going on where bowl games are nothing like the regular season. And that's why they're so hard to pick because you just don't know what the mindset is and col- the collective mindset, especially. It makes a difference if your quarterback's playing, right? I mean, Kyle McCord's in the portal for Ohio State. That's not going to be the same locker room. That's not going to be the same collective group. Um, you don't know who the leaders are. It doesn't necessarily have to be your quarterback. It could be an offensive lineman that tilts the scales. It could be just a general uh, thought about it that, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are fired up to go play in this game, or, geez, there's a lot of guys opting out, which we saw happen to, to Dan Mullen in Florida. Uh, a few years ago when they got wiped out in a bowl game um, with so many guys missing. So the the bowl season is not really a, an opportunity to really judge you. Oh, well, look, you know, this conference beat this conference so many times and that's what now it's, it, they're all independent of one another and they're really not a reflection of what we saw in the regular season. And it's really not uh, a good advance on what's going to happen next year because you still have spring drills ahead and fall drills ahead and position battles. So bowl season is unto itself. It's its own animal. It's not a carryover from the season, and it's not a preview of next year. 
I would say the playoffs might be an exception to that. That that would be true. Or the past BCS national championship game was an exception to that. When players are playing for a championship, that changes things. Staffs go about things differently. But all these other now, all that said, I think this is still a fantastic football game coming up uh, for Georgia. I, I think it still matters. I really do. Um, and I'm going to get into that in my next segment. Uh, right now, though, I want to take a break. I want to recognize my sponsor, Ingles. Ingles always matters. Ingles is always a part of our life. And Ingles is always a part of sponsoring On The Beat. And I appreciate that. So let's take a minute now and recognize our sponsor, Ingles. Did you know that Ingles sells more organics than any other store? Or that they run their own dairy? Or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else? Or that they have energy smart stores? Or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department? Or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Welcome back and looking deeper at the Georgia-Florida State matchup. I think this is a matchup of traditional powers that goes beyond just the brand. I think these schools recruit against each other. They're pretty close to one another when you think about it geographically. You know, it was interesting. Kirby was talking on the Orange Bowl teleconference about how living in Bainbridge he often went to Tallahassee. So he, this is kind of the nearest major college town to Kirby Smart uh, was Tallahassee and Florida State. I thought that was kind of interesting. And obviously Kirby did spend a year in Tallahassee coaching under Bobby Bowden as a GA earlier in his career. This was one of his stops. And I got a feeling we're going to tell that story more uh, as the game approaches, as we get closer to Miami Gardens. Um, what is this? I believe a December 30th game, 4 p.m. game. So uh should be a Saturday. Should it be fun? I think I think the dogs will have uh the the TV to themselves. I don't think there's a competing game here. So this will be a really big tuned-in audience because Florida State, Florida State has something to prove. You know, Mike Norvell. Uh, had some scathing comments. Florida State coach Mike Norvell had some scathing comments about Florida State being left out, um, talked about his disappointment, felt like his team was cheated. Uh, and, and I understand those feelings. I really do. Um, the Seminoles went 13-0, and and what more can you do than that? And obviously uh, there was some subjective decisions made on whether or not they were one of the four best teams. And what does four best mean? And, and, and that's where there was a lot of conjecture because uh, I asked a question to Bill Hancock uh, on the CFP call of the penultimate CFP call. And I said, how do you separate four best from four most deserving? And, and I asked that question specific that way for a reason. And, and Bill didn't disappoint. He said, deserving is not in the lexicon. It is four best. It is not four most deserving. Be clear about this. Florida State is one of the four most deserving, no question about it. But they're not one of the four best without their star quarterback. And that was pretty evident in Florida State's game against Louisville. They won 16 to 6, um, but it wasn't an impressive win. Uh, you might wonder how much more fired up does that make the Seminoles to play Georgia since they're not in the playoffs, since they're not playing for a championship. Well, Mike Norvell is on the record saying his team will be ready. He said he's confident in how his team will respond, and he says they will show up. And I had people on the other side say to me, well, what about Georgia? 
What about how Georgia handles the situation? I mean, they've just finished uh, two exhaustive championship run seasons where they had to go through uh, the Orange Bowl in 2021 and beat Michigan 34 to 11 before beating Alabama 33-18 in the title game. And then last year, uh, surviving Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, what a classic that was, uh, before dominating TCU. So why do we think Georgia signed up for another exhaustive bowl run uh, for the Orange Bowl when there's not a championship at stake? And and I asked Kendall Milton about that uh, in the bowels of Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the aftermath of the SEC championship game loss. And Kendall said, look, I'm not going to abandon my brothers. I've been to hell and back with these guys, and I'm going to want to play. I want to play with them again. And that's how he felt. Kirby has built a culture at Georgia where these players truly are connected, and, and, they, and they play for one another. Now, that's not to say – that there won't be some players that opt out and it's certainly not to say there won't be some players in the portal. I mean, Kirby pretty much told us there's going to be a lot of portal action, a record amount of portal action. You know, he talked about the financial incentives for some of his players to go other places and make a lot of money that they couldn't make at Georgia. Now they may not get the prep for the NFL, uh, that they would get uh, with this coaching staff and, and with this practice regiment. And they may not have the opportunity to play for championships um, like they would have at Georgia, but each family has to make their own decision and do what they feel is best for them. Jermaine Burton and Tresman Marshall were two Georgia players that transferred to Alabama. Burton scored a touchdown and, and drew a costly pass interference penalty on Malachi Starks in that game. Tresman Marshall fell on the fumble at the 11-yard line uh, on the Beck exchange and stopped Dejon Edwards on a third and two run when Georgia had a 7-3 a lead and was looking to build some momentum and maybe extend that lead. So former Georgia players went to Alabama and, and, and actually helped Alabama beat Georgia. Other former Georgia players have gone other places and didn't help their team. I mean, Jalen Kimber is now at Florida. Um, you know, Jalen was was on the depth chart. He wasn't where he needed, and he was injured. And Florida was a great opportunity for him. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Latavius Brini went to Arkansas, and, Humph and 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 they had um, yet another corner this year playing for the Hogs. And you know, we saw Justin Robinson at, at Mississippi State playing receiver, and Ra Ra came here and, and Justin went there. Um, so there's different players that have gone around to different schools, and that's not going to change. It's not going to stop. Conversely, Georgia had Dominic Lovett from Missouri, their best receiver a year ago, their leading receiver. I guess probably not best. Luther Burton was their best, but they're, you know, their leading receiver. And, and Ra Ra Thomas, who was Mississippi State. So the dogs took some guys in. Tyke Smith. You know, one of the toughest, uh, best Georgia defensive backs, a West Virginia transfer. I, I would look really hard at Georgia landing some bigger name transfers this year. In the past, Kirby hasn't needed to. Um, it's not ideal. He'll tell you if he could, he would just recruit all the guys out of high school and just keep everybody in his program and develop them. That was the old fashioned way. That's the way it used to be. And it's not the way it is anymore. When guys go in the portal and you lose experienced talent, Barry Alexander, listen, make no mistake about it. Barry Alexander would have helped that Georgia defensive line this year immensely. Could have made the difference. Could have been the difference in the game against Alabama. Um, but the reality is players leave and they're experienced and they're developed. And you can't replace a second or third year player with an incoming freshman. 
So you got to go out and get another transfer that can fill that slot if you're going to compete for championships. And and we saw, I think that's part of what went wrong at Clemson. I don't think Dabo was very proactive in this area. He tried to continue to just keep all the guys that, that he brought in. And th- there's a happy medium between Clemson and Colorado. I mean, Colorado went overboard with it, in my opinion. Deion Sanders did. And when they went south this year, uh, when they faced adversity, they went in the tank because he didn't have a connected locker room. Those players didn't come up together. They didn't play for one another. There was a lot of selfish guys uh, or players that were out after their own interest that went to Colorado for that reason, and they never really bonded. When things were good, fine. When things went bad, it came apart quickly because there was no common bond between players that have come up through the system together. And that's why primarily you're going to see Georgia continue to have a core of players that were recruited out of high school and developed in Kirby's program. And those are your locker room leaders in the voice. And then when you bring new guys in, you know, they kind of listen to the voice and they become a part of that. Like, I feel like Tyke Smith is a part of that. I feel like Dominic Lovett became a part of that. We saw Eli Wolf a few years ago, the tight end from Tennessee, became a part of that and and helped Tennessee and helped Georgia uh, beat Florida with that key third down catch. You saw Lawrence Cager come in from Miami, right? There's been J.R. Reed. There's been some very successful transfers into Georgia, and they became such a part of the culture that you don't even you know you, I, you'll always think of Lawrence Cager as a bulldog or or J.R. Reed. I'm sure, right? Um, because these kids came in and fit in and became a part of the fabric. And and so that's a lot of what's going to be going on over the next few weeks of this portal window is Kirby's going to have to evaluate. Now, he already has a really good idea who's leaving, and he has a pretty good idea who's coming back. Um, there'll be some surprises, um, and he's going to have to look closely into that portal to see what fits his need. Now, as far as guys opting out, if George is missing a few starters, I've heard people ask about that. I go back to the Baylor game. Right. So history lesson, 2018, Georgia narrowly missed out on the playoff. I felt like they got robbed. I felt like two loss Georgia was better than the one loss Oklahoma team that got in ahead of them. Oklahoma AD was on the selection committee, by the way. Uh, and I had a big problem with that. And and I went national with it and, and made a big stink about it. And by the way, Kirk Kerbstreet and Feinbaum both agreed with me that Georgia was one of the four best. But that committee got political. And those dogs didn't get in. And you could tell they were very despondent and disappointed. And when they went to play Texas in the Sugar Bowl, uh, it was a Texas team trying to win 10 games for like the first time in 10 years. Uh, Sam Inlinger, you might remember their quarterback, had kind of a, a family situation, had an added level of motivation. And Texas won the line of scrimmage and Texas won the game. And it wasn't Georgia's best effort. Jim Cheney didn't look like he had much of a game plan. He was on the verge of going to Tennessee. Uh, DeAndre Baker had originally said he was going to play, and then he didn't play, but he went down to New Orleans anyway. And some people said, well, you know, having a guy there that wasn't playing – was a distraction. Anyway, there was a lot of of hubbub around that and, and a general feeling, and, and, and not to take anything away from Texas, but Georgia didn't play the best. That 2018 team was not, was not represented well by themselves in the Texas game. They were a much, much, much better team than that. I thought that was one of Kirby's best teams, by the way, probably the best team um, in 18-17, two of the best teams that never win national championships. So uh, all that said – The following year, when players opted out, Kirby had a different attitude. 
Kirby was fired up. Okay. There were some players that got in trouble. We never really found out what they did, but there were a few guys that, that, uh, that, that weren't uh, welcomed out at the bowl game. We'll say, and then there were some key players that uh, were going to the NFL first round picks, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, two starters, Ben Cleveland. These three guys didn't play. In the game, you're missing three offensive linemen, and I think you're missing five or six starters, and I think you're missing about 12 players in all. And, and Kirby's attitude was, if these guys aren't playing, I don't want them down there. Don't show up. Don't come. If you're not going to practice and you're not going to play, you're not going to be on the sideline. Kirby took a lesson from that Texas game the year before. Didn't want anybody down there that wasn't playing. And that's the attitude still. If you want to practice, if you want to go through the workouts, then come on. Come to the Orange Bowl. If you're not signed up for that and you're not sure, then stay home. Go work out. Get ready for the draft. And he wants people engaged. And the results of that Baylor game told the story because Georgia played their tails off and beat a really good top 10 Baylor team, Matt Rule's team, that was trying for a record season. Just like Texas the year before, Baylor was playing for a banner season. They had something to play for. And uh, they they felt like, you know, they they were one of the most elite teams, too. And George went down there and put it on. That was a game when George Pickens went off. I think he had like 140 or 150 yards receiving in the first half. You cannot cover him one-on-one. Jake was finding him all over the field. Uh, they adjusted in the second half, and Georgia took the air out of the ball. Big win in, in the first of, what is it now, seven bowl wins in a row or six? I can't remember. 2018 or 2019 season, you beat Baylor. 2020 had a few guys out um, and COVID, going through COVID. Uh, had to, you know, JT Daniels had to bring it from behind to be an undefeated Cincinnati team. How about that? Think about that. Georgia. Uh, let's see if we go through it. I don't think Baylor was unbeaten in 2019, but Cincinnati was unbeaten in 2020. I think Michigan was unbeaten when you beat them in 2021, right? Uh, now, Ohio State and TCU had a loss in last year's playoffs, but that's interesting that two of the last three years, Georgia has had to play an undefeated team in, in a bowl game, and this will make it three out of four. Uh, against Florida State, I just that just kind of came to me. It's pretty good. So six bowl wins in a row. Uh, I believe seven top ten finishes in a row, which is pretty amazing. Going back to the 2017 team, so there are still things to play for. As I said in the opening segment, it, you're not in the playoff, um, and the, the 29 game win streak, which by the way uh, tied the college football playoff era record <clears throat> set by Clemson. And 18 and 19, uh, you're in pretty good company there, I think, with Trevor Lawrence uh, in that Clemson era. Uh, it was a fantastic Clemson team. Uh, ultimately went down to defeat to Joe Burrow uh, at LSU. Um, so pretty amazing. It's an SEC record. Uh, Kirby eclipsed uh, Nick Saban's longest win streak, eclipsed Paul Bear Bryant's longest win streak. Um, you know, Philip Fulmer, Steve Spurrier, all these Hall of Fame coaches weren't able to win 29 games in a row as members of the SEC. <clears throat> Kirby also, and this is why I think Kirby should be uh, SEC Coach of the Year, and I, I know the, the participation generation wants to hand it to Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, and they did have a good year. But Kirby had a third straight 8-0 regular season in the SEC, which had never been done in the 32-year history of divisional play in the SEC. I, I, I just, to me, I don't know how you don't recognize that as Coach of the Year. To me, uh, that was... Phenomenal. I'll tell you what else is phenomenal is this who's hot and who's cold segment 
that I do each week. Now, it's brought to you by Anytime HVAC. Uh, this is On the Beat from Dog Nation. Stay tuned for this message from our sponsor. Anytime heating, cooling, and plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service, repairs, and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit AnytimeHVAC.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating, cooling, and plumbing, but small enough to care. Welcome back to the program. And now it's time for my who's hot, who's cold. I always add in a couple warms too. I, I just can't ignore the, the in-between category. I think it's important. You can see this story. It's on dognation.com. Talks about why Georgia is going to be fired up for Florida State. So let's start out with, let's start out with what's hot. How about Kendall Milton? How about seven touchdowns in the last four games for Kendall Milton? He's on fire. And Kendall says he's going to play in this game. Kendall said he is going to play and he cannot get enough of playing with his teammates. And how important was it for a player like Kendall to speak up and send that message to say that out loud? I think that matters. I think that has an infectious tone to it through the locker room, like, wow, Kendall's all in. Well, you know, if Kendall's playing, you know, who else is playing? Who's going to follow the lead of that senior that says, man, I want every opportunity I can to play with you guys. I want every opportunity I can to taste and feel this 2023 version of Georgia football that went undefeated in the regular season. Um, what is this three years in a row now? Georgia's gone undefeated 12 and all in the regular season. I mean, this is just the, the, the accomplishments are amazing. That's why I said the streak may be over and there may not be a title, but the regular season streak carries on. Uh, you know, the SEC regular season win streak carries on. The home win streak carries on. Uh, Kendall has a chance to distinguish himself. Uh, as being part of the winningest senior class ever. And and Kendall is, is, is broiling hot for that take and for the seven touchdowns. And make no mistake about it, Kendall needs tape. Kendall needs to show the NFL uh, that he can play uh, sustained consecutive games because he's looking for a job. And hopefully Kendall will get an all-star game invite where these, these teams can you know have a chance to meet Kendall and see him in person. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of these Georgia players in the Senior Bowl. I would expect there to be six or seven guys there. Um, Lad McConkey, another guy I expect we will see at the Senior Bowl. We'll see what Lad's health status is for the game, but I believe he is also going to try to play. We've heard Cedric Van Prant say he is going to try to play in the game. I think you will see Cedric at the Senior Bowl. Um, so Kendall Milton playing, uh, trying to get uh, a Senior Bowl invite. Another guy that's hot, nobody wants to hear this on the Georgia side, but Isaiah Bond, this Alabama receiver, was on the receiving end of that 31-yard Milrow miracle at Auburn. It was an incredible catch. It was an incredible play. And, yes, it was Bond that caught that 22-yard fourth down pass that Georgia fans are going to talk about forever. They're going to wonder why it wasn't reviewed. And I'm going to tell you, I think Isaiah Bond was part of that. Did you see the way he jumped up and signaled right away? He didn't lay there and or, or show the ball to the officials. He jumped up and signals like, I got this. It's a catch. He sold it. He sold just like in ball when you see the, the player make the tag and run off. They sell it, right? Bond sold that catch. 
He sold that catch. Bond also was on the receiving end of all four passes, I believe for 57 yards on Bama's final touchdown drive, which proved to be the game winner. Him and Milrow were on fire together. This is a kid from Buford. And I don't know the politics of this whole Buford High School. Buford kids don't go to Georgia. I don't understand that. Maybe this goes back further than me. But I think it's probably time to get it fixed. I know Rayola's coming after transferring in from Buford. Maybe that'll change. You know, they've got a Florida State commit that'll probably be watching this game. Just saying. But I think by then he might be signed. We'll see what happens and see if that can change any trends with Rayola coming into Buford and now getting ready to sign with Georgia. But Isaiah Bond, the Alabama receiver, he's red hot. And did you see the Michigan shot of the Michigan team room when they showed who they were playing, that they were playing Alabama? It was almost like you could hear a collective groan. Michigan knows what they're in for. If you're a Georgia fan, do you want to see Alabama beat Michigan? I mean, I, I've heard people say it's too bad they both can't lose. But if you have to pick, don't you want to see Alabama beat Michigan or no? Do you want to see Nick Saban lose? It'd be interesting to see the comments. I always like to look at the comments on YouTube after this as well as on our Facebook channel. Uh, or if you want to email me direct on this, uh, at Mike Griffith. Uh, 032. Of course, you already follow me on Twitter at Mike Griffith32. I know that. Let's go cold segment now. Sorry, Glenn Schumann, uh, but your Georgia defense gave up the two highest point totals in the last two games. And I think I can take the 27 points to Alabama. You say, okay, it's Alabama's 20, but you gave up 23 to Tech. Something ain't right here. I think your D line got a little worn down. I think your team is a little tired on defense. The pass rush really wasn't there this year. And the secondary is not forcing turnovers, not enough interceptions, not enough forced fumbles. I think we would have to say the defense was disappointing this season overall. Now, remember, that's on a championship scale. They're still better than 99% of the teams out there. But for what we've become accustomed to out of Georgia football, 2021, 2022, I think this was a drop-off. And it, it wasn't just the D-line. I think it's in general, not enough turnovers. And I said at the beginning of the year, I thought Chris Smith would be missed because he forced so many – I mean, so many big intangible plays. And they didn't have that. Um, I thought Malachi was fantastic. I, I think Malachi will be an All-American. Might even win the Nagurski – or excuse me, the Thorpe Award. Uh, I know he's a Nagurski finalist as well. Uh, I think Javon Bullard is fantastic. I think he's a big hitter. I think he covered a lot of ground. I thought your corners were solid. I think Kamari Lasser may be a first-rounder, and, and Daylon Ever did a pretty good job. But these guys were left in coverage a long time by that front seven. Make no mistake about it. The pressure wasn't there. What else was cold? How about the Florida State pass game? I know there's all these tears in Seminole Nation that they were undefeated and boo-hoo. And all. they threw for 55 yards. They only passed for 55 yards against Louisville. I'm sorry. They were not one of the four best teams. The quarterback play did drop off significantly. So that was what's cold. Now, finish up with what's warm. Warms your heart to see players like Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey out there, doesn't it? You knew they weren't 100%. You could tell. Those guys were a step and a half slower than ever. And it was so painfully obvious. Most guys aren't playing in that game. But Bowers and McConkie, those guys are special. If they ever do statues one day at Georgia, and I'd like, to, I'd like to see him do that. I'd like to see a Herschel statue. I want to see a Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkie statue. I want to see them together. 
I want to see Bowers and McConkie. These two players over the last three years have been unbelievable, tremendous ambassadors. Right there with Cedric Van Pran. When I think about the three-year Bulldogs that that were part of these three magical seasons, um, I think about uh, I think about McConkie. I think about Bowers. I think about Van Pran. Um, all those guys uh, meant so much to the program, um, but it warmed me. Uh, personally, from football sense, to see Bowers and McConkie trying to play, even though you knew they weren't 100%. Uh, and then the other thing that warmed me up was seeing Georgia in the Orange Bowl. The average temperature in Miami is 76 degrees uh, December 30th. About 20 degrees warmer than Athens. And, and listen, I, I love me some Athens weather. But when it's December, I want to be somewhere in Florida. And I am a big fan of Miami. This is one of my Miami Beach, particularly. It's one of my favorite uh, spots to go uh, to vacation, destination, location, uh, the whole South Beach cafe scene, um, lots of cool restaurants uh, out there on the sidewalks. A lot of people pretending to be famous that aren't with the, with the sunglasses. Uh, a lot of the cool cars driving up and down the strip, the boardwalk, a great place to walk, the beach, the ocean. You lose yourself in your thoughts. Uh, I sound like I'm from the uh, Visitors Bureau down there, but this is truly, to me, the best bold destination uh, as a vacationer uh, or someone that just wants to take in uh, the weather. It's, it's outstanding. You just barely nudges out the Fiesta Bowl out there in Phoenix, which I absolutely also love. But but Miami, to me, um, you can really kind of lose yourself, you know, just kind of looking into those waves and wondering what's on the horizon for Kirby Smart and Georgia football and 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 what, uh, you know, what next deliverly will come in in the recruiting class, like the big barge and just bringing in tons more recruits to Georgia football. What might arrive? For Georgia football in this offseason. I mean, we're going to see some guys go out. You're going to see some names. You're going to go, oh, we're losing A, B, and C. I'm telling you, Kirby's got some cards up his sleeve. Don't be surprised if you don't see some big names coming into Georgia. I think Kirby's going to be a little more aggressive in the free agent acquisition portal. They almost got Caleb Williams a couple years ago. Almost. Um they didn't quite pull that one off, but I think you're going to see some big names. I think this is going to be a really big week for news, and that's why you're going to want to watch Brandon Adams every day at 10 a.m. on Dog Nation Daily BA. I think he's calmed down a little bit from that loss. Uh, he'll be refired up again soon. I'm sure uh, you're going to enjoy watching Brandon each day at 10 a.m. on Dog Nation Daily. Don't forget, you get a chance to see Kaylee Manziel uh, on some programming as well as Jeff Santel and Connor Riley. So keep your eye uh, on dognation.com. There's going to be a lot of reports. I know Connor is breaking some news uh, earlier Monday. I know he's going to have more news coming out on Tuesday. I'll have more stories as these bowl games approach. And gosh, Georgia basketball, right? We already saw Georgia beat Florida State in basketball. Surely you know about that. Justin Hill's big shot at the buzzer to beat the Seminoles in Tallahassee. That's really why the Seminole fans are fired up. They're mad about the Georgia basketball team beating them down there. Um, but that was a big win. And now they got Tech coming up. Uh, what is it? Tuesday night. They got Tech at home. Stegman Coliseum. Might want to go check that out. Uh, Mike White with a little bit of momentum. They, they said unabashedly they want to make the NCAA tournament. We'll see. But that's what they said. And they've got some marquee wins. They beat Wake Forest. And now they beat Florida State, and now they got Georgia Tech, and people are going, are you really 
talking about basketball. I am. I'm talking about basketball because we got a few weeks of that in between now and when we get on site in Miami to cover the Georgia practices as they get ready to play Florida State in a game that Kirby Smart says is a battle of football giants. That's Kirby's words. Kirby Smart is fired up for this, folks. And you know when he gets fired up, his team gets fired up. So I can't wait. I'm looking forward to Georgia-Florida State on the gridiron. Love me some Hard Rock Stadium down there. Uh, is that what they call it now? It used to be Pro Player Park. Love the stadium down there in Miami Gardens, Florida. Flying to Fort Lauderdale, flying to Miami. Eh, either one, it's fine. The beach is nice. The ocean's there. The sun is shining. It's going to be a great week. We'll talk to you later.